Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. AFL Trade Exchange. For Ream. Install a Ream, Australia's favourite in hot water. And Repco Authorised Service. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Continental Tyres, AFL Trade Radio, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. Trade up to Continental Tyres this trade period. This is the Trade Exchange, Riley Beveridge and Kaltumi. Getting you through the next hour. Cal, how are you going? Good, Riley. One more day to go or two more days to go, whichever way you want to look at it. One more sleep to go until deadline night and 20-odd well, players still in play. So mm. a lot to happen and go down in that period. We're about 30 hours away, just under 30 hours away from the deadline. One of the biggest deals in the trade period has already gone down. One. That was it's one of the biggest deals ever. ever I of, think it is the biggest deal ever. We'll get into that in a second. But a, a man at the centre of it was West Coast's recruiting and list boss, Rowan O'Brien. He joins us on Trade Radio. G'day, Rowan. Rowan. Hi, Riley. How are you going? Good, thank you. I mean, talk us through yesterday's mega deal and, and how you saw it from a West Coast perspective. Ah, uh, look, it was a few days in the making, mate, and obviously there was a bit of toing and froing over the weekend with some uh, some things that had to be changed. But uh, I think everyone had a specific agenda or an outcome that we were trying to achieve, and in the end, we were able to tie all that in and uh, and all be happy with things. Hey, Rowan Kaltumi, thanks for coming on for a chat. Tell us about your agenda out of it, because as you say, all four parties in his biggest deal, wanted to get something out of it. Tell us it from your perspective. Uh, yes, yeah, so from our point of view, we had two things that we were mindful of. One was obviously to try and maximise the draft outcome. I think we've stated all the way through this that um, we're in a period where we want to go back to the draft and, and get the right outcomes there and also uh, to uh, try and uh, facilitate a deal for Junior Rioli to go to Port Adelaide, which Initially, we thought the two may be separate, but the longer it went on, it probably became uh, clear that um, both things were were probably going to work out better if they were linked. Overall, the deal, we'll just recap it. Junior Rioli, pick number two and pick number 40 went out for pick eight, pick 12 this year, future second and future third round pick, both tied to Port Adelaide. How much consternation was there from your end and, and from the club's end over the weekend as that ruling came down and and prohibited the previous iteration of the mega deal. Did you have some second thoughts on progressing in that form, or did you still feel like most of those things could be achieved singularly? How did you sort of approach Monday? Uh, we probably just took a breath, to be honest, over the weekend <laughs> to try and work out the best way forward. And uh, it was um, not something we expected. We thought maybe it would have been approved, but that's okay. Uh, but then... Uh, chatting more with uh, the boys on Monday and in particular the, the Giants and Kangaroos, uh, we were able to come up with a way to, to resurrect things and ultimately get it across the line. When did it first come onto your agenda as a possibility? Because as Cal said, it's one of the biggest trades probably in the history of, of the league. When, when did it come onto, onto your radar that this could be a possibility? Uh, probably in the first a couple of days of the trade period or even in the lead-up. Um, initially, as I said, we thought that maybe these two things were going to be separate uh, if we did either. But then 
the more we dug down and, and spoke to the boys uh, from the other clubs, it was like, okay, we can help each other here and um, and get the outcomes we want. You obviously slide from pick number two to getting picks number eight and 12 as part of the deal. We saw you at the NAB AFL Draft Combine over the weekend. Can you talk us through the, the difference in quality and the difference in the type of player that you think you'll get between pick two and eight? Uh, we don't think there's a, a big difference, to be truthful. There's a group of guys maybe in the top 12 to 15 that uh, are fairly even and, more importantly, bring something really good to the table. So um, there's you know potentially a bit of difference uh, between players. We all have to acknowledge that. But to get two of them mm. instead of one, uh, we thought was a really good opportunity. Are you really comfortable with what you, what you will get at pick eight? I mean, you can pretty well identify that one of the eight in your, on your board is going to be there for you at, at your first pick. Are you pretty happy with what that play looks like at the moment? And you ha- feel free to tell us oh, who it is, I mean, <laughs> or what the eight yeah, might no, be. Yeah, we're going to – no, we'll declare that today, Kel, no problem. <laughs> um, uh, no, look, we are – obviously, you don't consider a move like this pick slide unless you are comfortable with a group of players, and, and we feel there's enough talent there that there's someone really attractive for us at that pick. How much has the, the go-home factor been in consideration with this deal and just throughout your dealings across this period and, and this year? Because um, we've seen it be a huge theme of this year's trade period. I mean, Luke Jackson goes back for after three years, Isaac Rankin after four, Tanner Bruin after two, Jason Orr Francis after one year. It, we're seeing it more and more around the competition. How much has that been a factor in what you've done over the mega deal and also just in terms of what you look at this year's pool like? Uh, to be honest, Cal, I've had that question a bit and it really hasn't been a consideration at all for us. Um, I know it's been highlighted a little bit through a few things that have happened this year, but we've obviously got a, a liking for Western Australian talent and that hasn't changed at all, but we've also got a pretty good record of keeping players from outside of WA, so that hasn't really been a consideration for us at all. We're, we're happy to draft who we think is the best talent and back the club to retain them. Obviously a, a tough year for the club this year, but you took five picks last year at the draft, another four picks inside the top 26 this year. And via the deal, you have two second rounders next year and three inside the first two rounds. Is that part of the strategy to, to really ramp up that the draft hit over this block? Uh, yeah, look, it is, Cal. Um, we've stated all the way through that, you know, now is the right time for us to go to the draft. And if you're going to do that, you have to do it over a two or three year period. Uh, We did have the five picks last year with three in the two rounds and we've got four inside 26 this year. And and to have the three in the two rounds already next year, we think has has provided us with a good platform to come out of that period with some good young talent on our list. You mentioned before that Junior Rowley obviously departs the club as part of this big trade that went down yesterday. Does the club... Will the club be looking at targeting a replacement for him or do you think you need to target a replacement for him? How does that play out from here? Oh, we'll just assess that really with uh, what talent is available when it comes to our picks through the draft. Um, we're obviously really disappointed to lose Junior in the in the prime of his career. Uh, but, you know, he he um, he's a premiership player. He's obviously written himself into our history, so we wish him all the best. And we'll just make those decisions around um, what we do with that type of player or anyone else when we see what's available at our picks. You already brought in Jaden Hunt during this year's trade period as an unrestricted free agent. What do you think he'll bring to the club? Uh, well, he 
obviously brings some real speed and can play as a defender or up on a wing. So we think that's a little bit different to what we have on our list. Um, he's He's got a bit of versatility. Uh, we're really looking forward to what he can add to the group, Jaden. When did he become an option for you? Because he was without a contract for obviously throughout the year, but did play some significant footy for Melbourne over the past couple of seasons. Uh, yeah, we were tracking him all the way through the year and we we weren't sure which way it would land in terms of his um, position with Melbourne or leaving as a free agent. Uh, as the year went on, uh, we started to feel like we were we were some chance with Jaden, who had spent a bit of time in Perth in the hub the year before and quite liked uh, the lifestyle and what it brought and, and we were able to talk to him about where we're headed as a footy club over the next few years. So probably in the latter part of the season, we started to get a feel that we were a real chance with him. Another big trade that went down yesterday was obviously one that took Luke Jackson to Fremantle. Were the Eagles ever seriously in that race, do you feel, as well? Uh, yeah, we, we like to think we were. Uh, we tried to entice Luke to come to our club. Uh, we felt we could get the deal done, but ultimately he chose to go down a different path. So um, that's what happens. Are you, are you in the conversation with Jeremy Sharp? Um, Rom, obviously there's there's been some interest from his end to, to go back to Western Australia, Fremantle amongst that interest as well, or is that something that you won't look at over the next 30 hours or so? I think it's unlikely, Cal. Um, we'll continue to speak with his manager on on what that may look like, if there's any possibility, but at this stage I feel like it's more unlikely. Do you think you'll have any more incomings or outgoings over the next 30 hours or so? Uh, I doubt it. I think uh, we've probably reached a position we're comfortable with with our picks and, and we'll likely just retain that. And just lastly, Rowan, Shannon Hearn, obviously a, a former captain of the club, still unsigned heading into this little period. Do you expect him to play on next year? Uh, yeah, I do. Shannon's just on a break at the minute. Um, he's not been in a rush to work through anything, but I'm pretty sure we'll be able to sort up all that out and Shannon will be with us next year. All right, well, Rowan O'Brien, thank you so much for joining us on Trade Radio. Good luck for the next 30 hours or so if something does arise, and good luck for, for the draft that's up to come. Thanks, Riley. Thanks, Cal. Thanks, Rowan. Rowan O'Brien there, the recruiting and list boss at West Coast. Obviously got a, a lot of work done with that that mega deal, and, and you break it up and, and you can see that the value of Junior Rioli was going to be better for them to be included yeah. in the deal, and... and They've been pretty open with clubs in the lead up to the trade period that, that pick two was on the table as well. Written about it on afl.com.au inside trading for, for many weeks. That was a potential. And it's amazing really to see both pick one and pick two change hands. I mean, it's been 20 years mm. since the number one pick itself was traded. Number two's swapped hands a couple more times in between that time. But uh, and even going back to, to Tim Taranto, I think in 2016 would have been one in that case. But... Yeah, I think that yeah, what they're able to extract out of that deal, when you look at it on balance, is pretty strong because, as I say, I think it's important that they beef up in the first 25 picks of this year's draft. They yep. slid down the order last year for two spots, still took Campbell Chesser, who they wanted, and managed to pick up Port Adelaide's future second rounder last year, and mm. Port were keen to get up and take Josh Sin. So, yeah, there's... Uh, Obviously, a bit to take out of the mega deal, but I feel like 
they managed to come out with a pretty good hand. So they leave that, as you mentioned, four picks inside 26. They currently stand at 8, 12, 20, yep. and 26. And as you mentioned, they've also got a second second rounder next year and a second third rounder next year. Yep, and a, and a first rounder of their own as well. Yes, so of course. Yeah. They, the other part of it too is that the level of control over an uncontracted player who's so invested in moving to another club who's in the bottom six or seven on the ladder in Port Adelaide in Junior Rioli, look, it, it, it's minimal. So there's always the possibility of pre-season draft if something doesn't happen. And that's where the, the power of the contract is is significant and not having a contract as well. So, look, they um, obviously would have preferred to, to keep Junior Rioli and, and put a deal in front of him. But mm. for family reasons, he was keen to get back to South Australia. Everyone says contracts mean nothing these days. They still do. Well, they can and they can't. It's 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 fascinating. It really depends on on what your position is and what the club position is. The club will, in in certain cases, not saying West Coast, but in certain places, a club will demand that the contract stands, but then be happy enough to move a player while in contract. Mm. And then in other cases, want to attract a player who's out of contract and yeah, and and demand more for a player who's out of contract who's leaving. We get all that. You have to work in the best interests of your, your club. All right, we might take a quick break. We're going to have a look at the big deals and what gets them done just after this. This is the Trade Exchange for Rain, built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rain. AFL Trade Exchange for Rain. Install a Rain, Australia's favourite in hot water. And Repco Authorised Service. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. A trade news update for Beaumont Tiles. Hey, Tylers, need stock fast? Beaumont Tiles are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up. This is a trade news update for Beaumont Tiles. And in case you missed it this morning, Jack Gunston is officially now a Brisbane player. His third club he joins this morning in exchange for pick 48 and a future Fourth round pick, he was, of course, an unrestricted free agent at season's end. Didn't move to the Lions as a free agent, though, because Brisbane would have risked diluting its compensation package that it received for Dan McStay when he went to Collingwood. Cal, mm. I want to run through a couple of the big deals now and just how they get done okay. over the last little period. I'll start with Brody Grundy uh, because Luke Jackson got his move to Fremantle on, what was the day I say, Monday? Yep. Uh, do you expect him to It was to a mad Monday, wasn't it? It was. There was a lot happening. Jackson, Rankin. Just another manic Monday. Horn Francis. Yep. Uh, Brody Grundy. I mean, he's not going to be staying at Collingwood. I can see no way of that happening. Mm. Melbourne has put forward pick 27. The Pies have wanted a pick between 20 and 25. The likelihood is that they will get the player they'd probably want anyway at that sort of pick uh, at that point in the draft. I think the draft's going to really split open after yep. pick 15. This year, and we're going to see very different looking orders from that point. Um, so I think it's a little bit of brinkmanship, but I, I expect that one to go through. I just can't see him going back to the Magpies. No. He's contracted for five years. I understand that. Um, but, you know, he hasn't driven this uh, throughout the year. And and I think he's got his head well around him playing alongside Max Gorn. And we all want Grandy. <laughs> Just, just to see I how that it was works. Grody. <laughs> no, Grody was just a mix of Brody and Grundy. We realised later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or, or Gorn wrote Brody, but uh, yeah, I think that's going to happen. But just a matter of finding that. Is there any little extra that comes 
back or forth. I don't know. Do you give an extra for two extra spots in the draft? It feels pretty close to me. Yeah. Uh, top 25 pick, you offer 27. I think that ultimately is probably forms the bedrock of that deal. Jacob Hopper and Ivan Soldo, which are kind of linked together. So Hopper, the offer at the moment, is the future first with pick 31, which is the Richmond's earliest pick, given the fact they gave up 12 and 19 for Tim Taranto earlier in the trade period. Still expecting this one to get done. Uh, Ivan Soldo is linked to it in some way, uh, and whether or not he does ultimately move to the Giants. I think they're still just sort of negotiating at the moment in terms of what a deal would look like for Ivan Soldo at the Giants. Well, he's got two years to go on his deal, as you mentioned, and it's a good contract too because the Bulldogs approached him a couple of years ago and that that boosted his value at the time. Yeah. I I couldn't see him moving to the Giants for anything less than what would constitute a long-term deal, so four or five years, given the fact that he's got two years to run a pretty good offer, pretty good deal, sorry, at Richmond. So... I think the Giants are just working that out at the moment in terms of what it, what would get a deal done in terms of an, an offer for Ivan Soldo as opposed to what it would look like for Jacob Hopper. They also have their interest in Jago Mira as well, of course, which has come mm. late and isn't directly tied to it all, but things can intersect in the later stages of trade periods too. So that's one to watch. One of the most fascinating for me, probably aside from the Dunkley deadlock at the moment, is Ollie Henry and how that plays out in the last 29 and a half hours of the trade period. Yeah. If there's the Dunkley deadlock, there's the Henry holdout. <laughs> this is stalemate city, really. Oh, stop it. Stop. Ollie Henry is determined to get to Geelong. The Cats have picked 25 and have offered it to Collingwood for Henry. That's been rejected. Unless the Cats get in an extra pick for Asava Radicalia and package them together to get inside the first round or, or something like that and can, buy, can find a buyer who wants to tap out or then I'd, I can't see it happening for pick 25. So um, it looks like that's where the Cats offer could start and end at this point. They don't really have much else to give. And, and that's why I mentioned Asava Radically because that really is their only other potential sort of mm. in, incoming um, if they do decide that they're okay or at least resigned to, to trading Radically. We'll get to him in a second. But uh, yeah, at the moment, still no progress there. And, and I dare say there won't be over the next 24 hours. So, ever. What happens if it doesn't get done? Well, I don't see him going back there, but he, he's out of contract. Would it, would another club take him in the preseason draft? He's got a long way to go in the preseason draft, given there's 18, 17 picks before July. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's going to get to that point or not. I, okay. Preseason draft's a long, long way away, but um, yeah, I think that's one. It's a still in stalemate, that's for sure. What about Isafa Radigalea? Pick 33 would be the obvious uh, thing to put forward for him. It's one of only two draft yeah. picks that Port Adelaide have well, they will this put year and next year. The other, the other question is, could, could the Cats also look for a future second rounder out of this as well? I know they can't at the moment trade a future second rounder, and, but would any club be willing to tap out of um, the draft for next year and come up and buy 33 off Port Adelaide and then flick it around and get that back to the Cats. The problem with 33 is it's so deep inside the second round this year that another club might not be that willing to go and Mm. trade up in terms of swapping second round selections. But that's another way that could potentially be looked at. But Port Adelaide has manoeuvred and manufactured the biggest, biggest deal ever 
to land their first two targets. So this management team will, will give this a swing as yeah. well. And look, Asava Radigalese, no doubt, got interest in going to Port Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, Jack Bowes. Yeah, I think this is most likely to happen this afternoon. Mm. Uh, we, we've spoken about this since Saturday. It's said to be a future third round pick that goes back the other way to the Cats as part of that deal, which will see them land Bowes and pick seven and and obviously take on his, his back-ended couple of years of his contract. And, and he's likely to sign a four-year deal, I'd anticipate, with, with Geelong. So, look, he's... Yeah, um, been in limbo for a little bit now, but I think that's where uh, that one will land. What about Josh Dunkley and then in turn Rory Lobb? I mean, it seemed a while off over the weekend, but um, as you reported last night, the two clubs are going to be meeting today to well, that's that's Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs to potentially facilitate something. Yeah, no real progress on the Josh Dunkley um, trade. Lines have put forward pick 21 and a, and a future first, but we're looking to get back a pick as well, I think, for, for Dunkley. And this is clearly linked to Rory Lobb deal and what can happen there. So as we reported last night, as you said, the dogs and dockers discussed Lobb today. I think there's a level of momentum that's there for that one with Luke Jackson deal completed and, and now to the side and you can really move on to what the next priority is. But there's no doubt there's links here with, with what the Dunkley and, and Lobb situation can be. And as we spoke about yesterday, he's picked 21 and a future first for Josh Dunkley without getting anything back going the other way apart from Dunkley, enough for the dogs to say, okay, let's do that. And and on trade 21 for Roy Lobb. And then is that enough for them to say, um, we're, we're satisfied with that from a Fremantle perspective for a contracted leading goal kicker. So, so do you think Lobb gets done now? I think there's more of a chance of it happening than there was a day and a half ago. Yeah, and more than it was two weeks ago. Uh, as you mentioned, the Luke Jackson deal sort of pushes on a few different things. Yes. Lloyd Meek, because I know there's not necessarily been an outward statement that the Dockers are going to play Luke Jackson as a as a ruckman alongside Sean Darcy, but and there's been a, a hint that he might play in a midfield role or as a wing role and might turn into like a Mark Blitzarves type, but... It kind of does impact Lloyd Meek and his future. Yeah, it does. And something last night that Lloyd Meek had requested a trade to Hawthorne. That happened three weeks ago. And and Fremantle have been aware for a long time that of, of Lloyd Meek's interest in going to Hawthorne. That's Did it happen more than three weeks ago, actually? Maybe even four weeks ago. So um, that's not new. Hawthorne has offered a future third-round pick um, for him. Um, the Dockers... And as we've been writing for a couple of weeks, the Dockers have, have sort of to mm. do this would be looking at a future second rounder. So there's a gap there. Future third from Hawthorne without Tom Mitchell, potentially Jay Gromira, definitely without uh, Jack Gunston, definitely without Ben McAvoy. Is that likely to be around the pick 40 mark? And if it is that way. A future third, did you say? Yeah. 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 If it is that way, that's generally around what the backup rucks be traded for. But mm. I also understand the Fremantle point of view where he's contract and if he left, the Dockers would probably have to go and find another one either through the end of the trade period yeah. or the supplemental period, signing period or delisted free agency area. So that's where that's an interesting one. And then that ties into Jeremy Sharp, which I think will go down to the wire. And, and this is where if the Dockers are successful in 
attaining a second round pick out of yeah. Hawthorne, would they then on trade that to the Suns who want a future second pick if they are to lose Jeremy Sharp there? So uh, lots to play out, but two contracted players there. And then again, we talk about the power of the contract. This is where it's beneficial mm. and in the club's best interest to uh, have a player signed up. But no doubt Lloyd Meek is looking for opportunity and at Hawthorne, which has been known for a month's time now. Uh and it was interesting listening to Rowan O'Brien, West Coast list and recruiting boss, saying they're probably not in that Jeremy Sharp mix if he does want to go home. The sort of three-way deal that's uh, unfolding between <laughs> Essendon, uh, Melbourne and Sydney for Sam Wiedemann and Aaron Francis. Yeah, I mean, the Bombers are basically hoping to turn Francis into Wiedemann, which is kind of funny given they were in the same draft back in 2015. Three picks apart. Three picks apart back in 2015. Um, was the Bombers are hoping to secure Melbourne's Wiedemann, obviously, um, using a future third-round selection. But as we reported on afl.com.au last night, they're looking for that future third-rounder to come via Sydney, yep. which is pursuing Francis, obviously. But Melbourne would push for that third-rounder to be tied to Essendon. Of course, the difference between it being tied to Essendon and Sydney next year could be 15, 13, 14 spots could be, could, mm. might not be that many, but this year it would have been 14 spots. So the Swans are also more likely to provide a selection this year's third round with a sort of pick swap possible there too. So yep. look, a little bit to play out to get that one through. I'm sure it'll all be done though, because um, they aren't, um, they're priorities for all those clubs now, but yep. they're obviously at, at the back end um, of, of the group of players that, um, of the big ticket items. But look, for both of those players, fresh starts might be the best thing for them. Yep. Um, a lot of talent in both of those players. Sam Wiedemann's contracted and Francis isn't. Uh, Wiedemann's shown more and had more runs on the board than Francis, but Francis has some ability. And you'd, you'd think the uh, way that Paddy McCartan has integrated into that defense and other players who've gone to Sydney across the years have been able to fit into their system would help him and, and also the SCG and the way they play that ground as well, I think would be a benefit for him. And he wants to play in the, the back line. He, he's played a little bit over the ground over the past couple of seasons, uh, but his last month or six weeks in VFL level was purely as a defender and that's where he plays his best footy. And Billy Frampton, we reported this in AFL.com a couple of months ago that he wanted to move to Collingwood. I think the hold up here is that Adelaide wants a future third pick for Billy Frampton, uh, Collingwood have put forward picks 50 and 51 as a proposal for him. But I think the Crows would ideally like if those picks were bundled up, moved into the future and then given to Adelaide. So I think there'll be progress on this today. I think the two clubs will meet today just to hammer out something here. The, the Pies have got a lot on their plate. And as we wrote last night, that could have implications for Braden Fiorini, who uh, is contracted at Gold Coast and, um, a deal there could be unlikely now, given how much Collingwood has going on elsewhere. But we spoke to Dave Trotter, his manager from Hemisphere Management Group, last week on Trade Radio, and he said from the outset that Braden would be comfortable staying with the Suns if it came down to it. So a bit to play out there. But Pye's obviously looking for a bit mm. of key position back depth in their back line. And looking for him to be the next Jordan Roughhead, really. Jordan Roughhead. Just like Essendon are probably looking at Sam Wiedemann to be the next Peter Wright. Yeah. Yep, and and they picked him up with a, a very late pick in 2020 and, and managed to do that. All right, I reckon it's mega deal time. We might get to that after this break, chatting through the mega deal and 
evaluating what it looked like, how it played out, and what's still to come. This is the Trade Exchange. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service for expert car service. Book into your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. AFL Trade Exchange. For Ream. Install a Ream. Australia's favourite in hot water. And Repco Authorised Service. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. This is Continental Tyres, AFL Trade Radio, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia, trade up to Continental Tyres. This trade period, Riley Beverage and Cal Toomey, getting you through the next 20, 30 minutes or so. Cal, I want to speak mega deal. You had all of the details on afl.com.au yesterday. Mm. It was a lot of picks to type out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Managed to get out there, though. Yeah, what what were your immediate thoughts in the aftermath of it? Because obviously, as you mentioned, it's probably one of the biggest deals to go down. I mean, my immediate thought was, I hope I get, the, I hope <laughs> I got that right. <laughs> I think you got pick fifty seven was actually meant to be pick fifty eight. <laughs> Don't even joke. Oh, no. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's a joke. For everyone who's listening, <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, yeah. What were my immediate thoughts? Um, look, I thought that as Ryan O'Brien said that. Every club went into it with objectives, and I feel like every club probably got out the objective that they wanted to. Um, North Melbourne clearly wouldn't have created a situation where they wanted to move on Jason Horn francis having picked him just at number one last year. But um, I feel like they managed to manufacture a pretty good outcome for themselves and courageously managed to try to pick one as well at the same time. I like what they've done in terms of getting pick two and pick three and have the future first as well. And if you break them up the deals, then Horn Francis was essentially the the pick two part and, and one of the 40s. And then the number one part was basically three and, you know, the, the future first and, and throw in a couple of things. So, look, one might be a little bit, a tiny bit overs, one might be a tiny bit unders. It If you really... The difference is negligible. I think so. So I thought they made the, the best of what they could out of a, a bad situation. And now they're open to doing the next thing. And that's as we reported last night, be open to offers on pick three. I don't think pick two is gettable, but pick three, I feel like would be um, at the right price if a club came and could they generate another first round pick out of moving back five or six or eight spots or whatever they would be comfortable with doing. It's a unique position. Like I couldn't remember the last time a side had finished bottom two years in a row and doesn't have a number one pick on its list. (laughs) Yeah, true. But, Uh, But I kind of like it for North in the sense that if you can move three from multiple first rounders or what would it be 10 top 10 picks or top 15 picks like you give yourself the best opportunity to pick as many good players as possible you do and look they clearly are off the view via trading that that they weren't going to be interested in Aaron Cadman with the number one pick they, yeah. they couldn't have been if they if they really wanted to, to stay there and, and pick him then then they didn't clearly have him at that point and that's fine that's understandable as well not everybody rates players in the same ways and there are different circumstances pertaining to where your club is, what your club needs and what's the right fit for you. So uh, I'm interested now to see which way they go on a draft platform. If they retain and keep pick two and three and don't split it again. And of course the splitting could come closer to the draft as well. Um, Yeah. If they keep and retain it, I feel like um, Harry Sheasel is a very strong chance to be, at North Melbourne, and and which midfielder would they look at? Would it be George Wardlaw? Would it be Elijah Sardis? Wouldn't they be the two that they'd be weighing up? So you think they'd do a mix? I think a mix would would work. As opposed to two pure midfielders is what I should explain. Yeah. 
with Elijah Sardis is a, a running midfielder who can go inside as well. George Wardlaw is probably as close to Jason Orn Francis in, as in this pool. Mm-hmm. And Harry Sheasel is the Stevie Johnson of this year's draft. He's classy, smart, inside 50, just kicks goals, marks well above his head, uh, manufactures opportunities all the time. And, and we'll be able to do that at AFL level pretty soon as well. So all a little bit different, but he is a half forward more than a midfielder at this point. Is it cut and dry that the Giants take Aaron Cadman at pick one now? Yeah, I think so. I think so. The, the question will be whether they place a bid on Will Ashcroft. I think uh, Cadman... Will they or won't they? Will they or won't they? That is the Get question. I got it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> uh, will they or won't they? I, I think... Well, they interviewed him last week at the NAB AFL Draft Combine. Um, obviously, didn't interview Nick Dacos last year, but they did bid on... Um, uh, Sam, Darcy. Sam Darcy with the number two selection, which was the earliest a uh, father-son bid has ever come. So they interviewed Will Ashcroft last week at the Combine. Look, it's going to be hard not to bid on him, but also they've gone up to get Aaron Cadman. And that means that, um, you know, they know what they're getting. Does he want to go number one? Is that a factor? Does he care? Does he not? Is he interested in that? Does it take away a little bit of the hype machine for him? Do they want the hype? In that market, is he ready to handle it? Is all of that not important to Aaron Cadman? I don't know, but... It's a lot of questions to weigh up. Yeah, and, and that's part of the bidding part of it. But also, there's, you know, you're not going to get Will Ashcroft, so I get it from that point of view, but also his season's been um, impenetrable, really, in terms of how well he's gone. Do you think clubs... And they and you know what? They, they've lost three midfielders yeah. as well. Do you think clubs would have looked at what happened with Nick Dacos last year and the fact that a bid wasn't placed until pick four and it would change the way they look at bidding going forward? Potentially. Or do you think it's all just by the by for them? It's all by the by, I think, but potentially, potentially. I don't, I don't think you can't, you can't force what everyone else thinks is the order on a club. So ultimately you can always come back to the fact that either you didn't rank them where everyone else did, which is absolutely fine as well. So look, yeah. bidding's, Bidding's a bit of a boring topic, I think, but to be honest with you, I know we talk about it, but I find it a bit of a boring topic, but I get the fascination with it. The reality is Will Ashcroft's, you know, I'm more interested in who's going where rather than where the bid's going to come because generally where the, if we're talking about where the bid's going to come, it means that the player's going to go where we go and think he's going to go. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the pick three stuff and North Melbourne being open to shuffling out of pick three. What do you think... What do you think would get that done? Like, what what would clubs have to trade to move up to pick three? And do you think there's any clubs that currently um, have a hand that's capable of doing it? Uh, don't know what they'd require, but I think there'd be there'd be options out there for them to do it. Yeah, uh, if they wanted to, and and clubs will will ask the question, I'm sure. And again, it, it depends on how much a cl- another club likes another player, and does a club want to move up and and take Bailey Humphrey or do they, do they have fallen in love with, you know, Elijah Sardis to, to, to grab him? All those sort of questions will have to come in and you'd have to have a fair idea of who's going to be available to you before you jump up a couple of spots and, and want to do that. But if you're North Melbourne, you'd want to retain a pick inside the first eight or nine selections. I'd yeah. imagine if you're going to be trying to generate another future first for it or another first round pick for it. So like Sydney's picks in the teens aren't going to get that done. Yeah. Uh, West Coast trading back from pick two to picks eight and 12. What do you see 
being in their range now, do you think a Ruben Jinby or an Elijah Hewitt or a Jed Bussinger, who are the West Australian prospects in this year's draft pool, are certainly the top three West Australian prospects in this draft pool, and, and Alan might have pushed himself into that mix after his combine on the weekend as well, but do you think that would, those players would be in their sights? Yeah, they'd have to be at different points. I think Ruben Jimby's inside the, the top 10 now. So there's a chance he isn't available at pick eight, to be honest with you. It, it, it could be. And if he's there, then he's going to be hard to pass up. But there's also a distinct possibility that he's gone by then, given yep. how well his season went, how well he performed at the combine over the weekend. So that is a chance. As for pick 12, I, I feel like Elijah Hill might be available a little bit further into the first round. Um, so they might not have to use 12 to get in there. They've got 20 as well. Yep. It could be a chance to be available at that point too. Um, so more and more will come to hand around who can fit in about that point. But as for moving back, there's there's a lot of players in that, that basket at the top end of the draft. There's Sardis and Wardlaw and Sheasel and all those clubs at the top end are going to be looking at those types really closely as the same with Humphrey. I, I think that as we've been speaking about for a couple of weeks now, the top end has established itself in this year's draft. I'd be shocked if someone came in from um, left field to, to break into the Ashcroft, Sheasel, Wardlaw, Sardis, Cadman, uh, Humphrey sort of group. And, and Philippou's got some real ability. Mateus Philippou, South Australian, who will be the first South Australian picked. He, he's around that mark um, very much so. And, and in club's thoughts around there, Cam McKenzie's another one who will be thrown in there. And the other one that I haven't mentioned yet is Jai Clark, who um, certainly will be a contender for all of those selections in there. And we talk about uh, the Bombers pick at, at pick four. I'm not sure he's exactly in terms of the midfield dynamic, what they would want or what, what they'd be looking for, but leadership wise, you know, he's fantastic, but he's a really strong chance too, to get through to Geelong at pick seven, which, you know, they've gone up to get, to get pick seven off, off the cats and he'd be ideal for them. Matt Jefferson, do you reckon he could push into that mix as a key position player? As Callis takes a quick sip of water, I'll fill through here. A kick yeah. seven goals in the champs against WA. Uh, yeah, he could He could be around that point. He could. He could. I feel like there's th- those other guys probably um, there's more certainty around than, than Jefferson. But, yep. yeah, he, he he's going to be around that, that sort of point of the draft. And, yeah, Philippou's one who... Uh, his ability and 192 centimetre frame makes him really appealing in a lot of ways, can play forward, can play midfield. And and that's always going to come into the thinking when clubs are you know, divvying up these players, saying can they start in different positions and what can you be and can we use them in different parts of the ground? We're getting a stack of texts about the draft, so we'll try and answer as many as we can after this short break. You're listening to Continental Tyres AFL Trade Radio. This is the Trade Exchange, thanks to Repsco Authorised Service. Jeez, I'm butchering these reads. This is the Trade Exchange, thanks to Repco Authorised Service for expert car service. Book into your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. AFL Trade Exchange. For Ream. Install a Ream. Australia's favourite in hot water. And Repco Authorised Service. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. This is Continental Tyres, AFL Trade Radio, engine in Germany, proven in Australia. Trade up to Continental Tyres this trade period. We'll get some of your texts now. We'll shoot them through. 0419187323 if you do want to text in. Malcolm asks, question for Cal. Does the boy from Griffith, Harry Rouston, get drafted by the Giants? If so, where will a bid land? I think so. He should. He's a good player. He's a really good player. Player uh, dominated for the Allies across the National Carnival. Midfielder. I think he's an option probably 20 onwards, most likely. But some have him inside the first round. So 
touch and go there for the first round. But of course, he's a national, he's a Northern Academy player, so there's no um, sort of cut off in terms of the next generation academy rules that do apply. Cal, are the Davy boys any chance of going to the Dons, or definitely a chance of going to the Dons? Yeah, I think they'll go to the Bombers. I think they'll go to the Bombers. Uh, I'm sure the Bombers have picks on their minds and, and points on their minds when they're going through um, this year's trade period. A bid would come on Alwyn before before Jaden, but Jaden still is very talented and might slip through given the two knee reconstructions, but um, a lot of ability there for both of them. And, and Jaden more of a small forward. Um, where I think Alwyn has played more a little bit up the ground, a little bit more like yep. his uncle Aaron instead of his dad, Alwyn. Yeah. Uh, Sean from Devonport. Hi, guys. Any good kids from Tassie looking at getting through? We spoke to Lockie Cowan last week. Yes, Morris medal winner. Yeah, he's a long-kicking half-back midfielder, tall, about 188 centimetres or so, booming kick. He's had a consistent season. Morris medal, as you say, for the best player in the NAB League, joint winner there. So he's... I think sort of a second round player, but some do view him inside the first 15 or 16. And then uh, Tom McCallum is another player as well, a defender who we've seen come out of the Tasmanian system play for the Allies as well. Carlton have said they're open to shuffling picks to move up the draft order. What sort of moves should they be looking at? Hmm. Well, at the moment they are pick eight, 10, 10? Yep. 10, sorry. After a couple of others there who also missed out. Um, yeah, what should they be looking at? You know their list pretty well. I think they could still use with a, a pretty good forward half player. I just don't know. You, you don't go looking for needs with your, your top 10 picks, so we'll yeah. wait and see who's available at that point. Uh, hey, fellas, trying to work out why GWS would trade up to pick one for Cadman. Couldn't they have kept pick three and drafted him then? Well, they could have. But they can, make risk, then. <laughs> they can make sure of it. And the other part about that is that you never know what someone else is thinking. So if you don't do that, yeah, you might think he's going to get past North Melbourne and North Melbourne might might give the indication they're not going to draft him. But they don't have to then hold the promise and, and say, we're not going to trade the pick. Someone mm-hmm. might come over the top of you and, and, and do that and then go and grab him. And we've seen that in the past different stages too. Um, and that can happen on draft night. can happen on draft night as well. So they've made sure of it and... I like the fact they've made sure of it. They paid a, a healthy draft price to do that. Yeah. But yeah, they've gone and got him, and and they'll be able to add a key forward to their mix. All credit to them. Hey, Cal, with all of the top end pick swaps, who do you think will be there at pick four for the Dons? Well, I think Aaron Cameron would have been right in their wheelhouse if he'd been available. Mm. Harry Sheasel, if he's available, I'm not sure he will be. George Wardlaw, Elijah Sardis, Bailey Humphrey. I think any of those guys would be really good picks for the Bombers. Another great episode of the Trade Exchange for Ream. Built tough for Aussie conditions when it comes to water heating. Ask your plumber to install a Ream. Deadline day tomorrow. We'll be back. Same time, same place. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.